Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Or if you prefer, you can send us an email transfer at migma.matters at gmail.com. If you've had the chance to look down on Newfoundland and Labrador from 30,000 feet, it might seem we had lots of pure wilderness. But more and more, even the most remote areas are being disturbed by logging, mining, and other human activities. Forty years ago, the province established an agency whose job it is to create a network of protected areas. It's called WIRAC, the Wilderness and Ecological Reserves Advisory Council. But it's been heavy slogging for WIRAC. It's been ignored by successive governments, both Tory and Liberal. Provincial governments have had WIRAC's list of proposed protected areas on their desks for 25 years but have done nothing with it. Fed up at being ignored, two of the leading members of WIRAC have resigned in protest. Biologist Victoria Neville was the chair. The other committee member to resign was Seaburb expert Bill Montevecchi. They say the committee is a waste of time. They also say there's a reason why WIRAC hasn't made more progress. Mining, forestry, and other commercial interests don't want areas protected. They make their feelings known to government and their herd. In an interview on NTV last week, Fisheries and Land Resources Minister Jerry Byrne seemed to confirm this corporate opposition. Byrne proposed to deal with the pushback by bringing the mining reps onto Wirak, the fox in the henhouse, as one Twitter comment described the proposal. Is there any chance of preserving a few pieces of the province's natural heritage? Will the public speak up? Or is there more interest in the jobs that come with activities such as mining, no matter what the eco-consequences? Our guests this week are the two members of WIRAC who made headlines with their resignations, WIRAC Chair Victoria Neville and member Bill Montevecchi. I asked them about the kinds of land they're trying to protect what it's been like dealing with Minister Jerry Byrne and his government, and where we go from here. What has basically happened, I think, in prep for the Natural Area Systems Plan is uh, Parks and Natural Areas Division staff have worked with scientists and the best available science to divide both the island portion of Newfoundland and Labrador and Labrador into these natural zones, which they call representative ecoregions, and those areas are... Um, areas that contain, you know, a unique complement of wildlife. And that could be the Newfoundland pine marten, it could be boreal caribou, it could be a species of lichen or plant, um, and those are, those contribute to our overall biodiversity. And so what essentially happened with the Natural Areas Systems Plan is they worked with that data and with um, other compromising concerns like areas that are of interest for forestry, mining, or other industrial development. And then they basically cookie-cuttered out a network of areas of what's left, 
what's left over after those compromises take place. And that uh, should create a systems plan of little pieces of what's representative left in the province. And, and what is left? Uh, obviously, if we were to look at the province from above, we would see a lot of development uh, here and there. Even in the interior, we would see forestry development and mining. So once you take away that, how much do we have left to work with uh, for an, a natural area systems plan? Not a whole lot. I don't know if, Bill, you'd like to comment on you know what's really left. You know, I, I think... Um what would be a, a bit deceptive is, is Newfoundland seems, uh, and it is in some sense, well-endowed environmentally, um, but it's exactly what you said. It, it's things like forestry, um, saw log cutting, uh, mining, um, you know, completely resisting, setting aside any of these areas. So the concern isn't, you know, to get to the basic issue for for having a plan like this is that our province doesn't have a land management plan. And this was a proactive way forward to say, look, these, as Victoria just described, these are really important areas. We didn't make them up. They're defined in terms of biology, ecology, geology. And we just want to capture some of those um, before they're, you know, they're, they've gone away. And we want to capture those because it, it's, it's essentially an environmental archive. And the question is, what would these areas be like if it wasn't covered with our human footprint? And we need that to understand what other areas are like that are completely covered by our human footprint. So, it was a proactive plan to move ahead in a in an area where there's absolutely no plan at all for land management. The province signed on to the uh, UN Convention on Biological Diversity, and that uh, states that uh, jurisdictions should try to at least have at least 17% of total land and inland waters uh, protected. And uh, I see in one media report. Newfoundland has Newfoundland Labrador has 6.9%, so a little less than half of what the uh, what the UN Convention uh, recommended. So uh, in the province right now, do we have 17% uh, left to protect uh, in such a in such a plan? I think I think yeah, I think we probably have 17%. I'm fairly confident that the NAS captures 17%. Um, in its area, although I don't actually, I haven't actually seen it broken down that way. I do think 17% is a modest goal, uh, but I do think it's realistic. I don't know what you think. So. Well, you know, it's, uh, Glenn, I think you hit the nail on the head. What bothers Victoria and I is that it's 6.6%. And, um, you know, we, you know, I mean, you know, seriously, we have a government. This is, this is the issue. This is why we can't act. We have a government that doesn't see this as a priority. Um, they don't, you know, the government, and, and this is governments, you know, uh, succession of governments, they essentially don't talk about the environment at all. You know, I mean, a platitude about climate change. I mean, we're in a crisis, and, um, and the government talks about, our government, Newfoundland and Labrador, talks about resource development, 
uh, fast-tracking oil uh, offshore. And, and I just want to say the things that Victoria and I and WIRAC, everybody on that committee and the government people who work on it are arguing for it is not an antithesis of development. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they can be mining. Yeah, they can be, you know, forestry. We we don't expect that we're going to erase those things. But, in fact, the people, the proponents for those things um, have that misconception. And and that's a terrible misconception, you know, that some of them. And environmental protection is the antithesis of development. Yeah. It, it's a shrewd way to go forward with sustainable development. Yeah, and I wanted to add, Glenn, quickly that um, Bill mentioned 6.6, and we are mentioning 6.9. 6.9 is the percentage of the whole province of Newfoundland and Labrador, but when it comes to the island alone, it's just 6.6%. And when we talk about 17% in this, this goal, those are biodiversity goals to preserve biodiversity, but what we really should also be thinking about is our climate mitigation goals as well. So 17% probably won't get us to where we need to go to ensure that our ecosystem is functioning to sequester carbon and combat uh, the effects of, of climate change. So what we're talking about is really the bare minimum biodiversity target. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, uh, when you when we talk about unique uh, uh, phenomena, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, some of us will have our favorite stretches of uh, of woods where, you know, we have uh, evergreen trees that might not be unique, might be quite ordinary, but are still uh, special, uh, not only for us uh, personally or maybe culturally, but uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, dealing with climate uh, issues, green trees are good just um, for being plain old green trees. Yeah, and I think that this, you know, this natural air assistance plan, keep in mind, it was uh, launched and drafted in 1994-1995. It still is in a bit of an old way of thinking, but uh, that doesn't mean we should throw it away. We still need that, and we need to be uh, protecting uh, old-growth forests and things like that that are helping with that, those issues. And, Glenn, we, we do get, um, we do, you know, where we do get lots of, people really are concerned and we really do get lots of requests from the public to protect areas that are well outside of the systems plan. Uh, people are concerned. It's just what you said, you know, something that's personally important. And we can't, you know, usually act on something that's personally important um, other than personally unless we can say it has, uh, you know, these values of biodiversity and, and those other things. So it could be set aside. But we can help and we want to help and and you know we want to work with the public but we've been essentially shut down you know and so we're we're Ignored. not functioning right yeah. well yeah. let me let me ask you uh, you know the frustration comes through in your in your voice and in your the comments that you've made since your resignation about um, feeling uh, ignored uh by uh, by the government and government staff and how did that manifest itself when you were on the committee, did your calls not get returned, or did things uh, get put off? Uh, was it a manana uh, manana type situation? We will get to that uh, tomorrow or next week, or how? What was your experience in working on that committee? Well, the experience is that responsible minister after responsible minister would have lots of platitudes, uh, lots of you know rah rah encouragement, 
but really no substance of commitment. And um, after a while, that just gets exasperating. But what I wouldn't want to say, and Victoria can attest to this as well, if you do something like this, if you're a volunteer in this committee, we have high levels of tolerance for frustration. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you can't not have a high level of tolerance for frustration. So I have it, and but I can keep working. But why I couldn't continue on the committee, because what finally broke for me is that I didn't believe that by being on this committee, I, I would I was somehow endorsing a process of government that was really not working. They had no intention to work. And by staying on the committee, I would be complicit with a process that's failing the people of our province, uh, that's absolutely not being run the way the act was written. And um, so that's what broke it. You know, frustration is one thing, but right now it's it's a matter of complicity. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to be a part of a process that's essentially um, dishonest with the people of the province. Someone like Bill who's been around, we actually met on the Wilderness and Ecological Reserve Advisory Council five and a half years ago. Um, when I joined the WIRAC, it had been um, – there had been no one on the WEIR Act for seven years at that time, and that had been a violation of the legislation itself, not appointing WEIR Act. So when I came on board, there was hope with the committee that WEIR Act was back and that there was some sort of a, a shift towards um, making progress on these goals. And I think that's why I held out for so long. The first three years, a lot of us were new. Uh, we were getting acquainted with the, the process. And it was frustrating, but we understood we had um, some catch-up time to do. But it was uh, when I came on again in 2017, and I decided to be co-chair of the committee, and we met once, and I saw a shift. Uh, we no longer were being convened four times a year anymore. So we – and when we were convened, which was a, a phone call, um, usually that the committee had been asking for, it was – you know, the NASP is ready, but we're waiting. And we have to wait for the ministerial mandate letters to come out. And when they finally did this a few months ago, we saw a big change between the ministerial mandate letters that came out in 2015 that said to the responsible minister, you will finalize and publicly release the Natural Area Systems Plan. And now the new one that came out I think it, late 2019 said, you will continue to work on the natural area systems plan with your colleagues. And now it was put in three different ministers' letters, but it was no longer time bound. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a watered the, down kind of, kind of yeah, obligation. So, so we were waiting uh, for that mandate letter to reaffirm the province's commitment to the natural area systems plan. And when I saw that, I said, okay, this is, uh, I think I was quoted, I, that's when I knew it had been a waste of my time. Uh, what I was saying was, wow, we're actually, we're further behind than we were in, in 2015 when I was one year into uh, WIRAC. Hmm. Now, WIRAC came in, uh, as I read, uh, in about 1980, so the early part of the Brian Peckford administration, which is going back a long time. I guess uh, the early idealism of uh, the Brian Peckford uh, time in Newfoundland and Labrador politics before things went sour. Um, and uh, so uh, 
to be fair, successive governments of, uh, of both parties have been uh, lacking here. Uh, the current minister is Minister Burned. Have you had any meetings directly with him about uh, where I can the issues? He um, he met with us initially uh, on, on the second term that Victoria is referring to, and uh, you know he's a, he's a fairly charming uh, fellow, and you know he was polite and he said he would help us. But well, actually that was before the just the election that just happened. Actually, it was before the election, and, 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 as, and as yeah. usual, nothing. You know, it it wasn't even an election issue. You know, it could have been. It could have been something that was taken forward. Uh, it, you know, it was just ignored. You know, it's low priority to uh, resource development, economic development, and it's invisible uh, in that sense. So, um, yeah, we have met with him. Um, Victoria and I had an interview um, with the, you know, the local newspaper here, and it showed up in Halifax in the Chronicle Herald. And Victoria and I both have statements in there, and there's a ministerial response of, you know, minor consequence. Um, you know, and so now his office is simply sending statements, and the last statement was that, <laughs> I mean, Victoria and I were just talking about it, uh, that we have to compromise with development. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we've been compromised out of, you know, existence. Um, and, you know, we haven't stopped any developments. We just want environmental protection. So there is a minister. And as a matter of fact, it would be great, Glenn, if you could talk to him. It would be great. And I think he might talk to you. I don't know. I think it would be great if you could. Yeah. And the last thing that we did before I resigned was I worked with the rest of the committee in my capacity as the co-chair to write one last letter to the premier and to um, the responsible minister to ask them to publish the NAFs and to meet with WIRAC, just to reiterate what had been, um, we gave, I gave that some time. And then I, I, as I had stated my intent to the rest of the committee, and then I resigned. And to date, while I have uh, gotten some heartfelt goodbyes from the other WIRAC members and staff, I have not had an acknowledgement of my resignation letter. And it's been over a month for me. Now, um in uh, the telegram, a very the uh, I think uh, it was the telegram that first reported on your uh, resignations, uh, Juanita Mercer. She quoted uh, Doug uh, Ballum, um, who is a uh, used to work in the Newfoundland and Labrador Park System, who talked about the role of uh, of mining and natural resource uh, companies in setting policy in this area. A sort of inordinate. Uh, amount of influence there and not so much uh, influence from the conservation uh, side. So does that, uh, do you agree with uh, with that assessment? And, and how do we see that uh, involvement by the natural resource sector in policy setting? Uh, how does how does that take place in, in the real world, do you think? Uh, yeah, I can start. Um, I had suspicions about that. Um, just based on discussions internal to WIRAC about why certain areas weren't going ahead or why there were delays. Um, I believe that the NAFTA has been shared, you know, in, with these industries and that they've been working uh, with them closely. Um, it, but then when I made that decision to resign, I went back into old theses, old articles, 
and found um, some evidence in old WIRAC reports uh, that, uh, you know, Mining Industry NL had, had requested no more protection. Um, several pieces of written work by Aaron Kelly, who was working in forestry, and Peter Sinclair, uh, who is a, a researcher, just uh, outlining uh, case studies of areas like Maine Brook or, you know, Lac Joe and Labrador or, you know, um, other areas for consideration that uh, had significant um, opposition from industry. Um, so I'm currently compiling all of those case studies uh, for a, a summary. I don't know what you called it. Uh, a so, case study. Really. Yeah, really a case study on uh, on all, each of those examples because there are there are too many to mention and there are so many that I have not yet dug into. Glenn, and uh, let me just because here, you know the the fundamental interaction. See, this is the process. So we're not just whining. Um, about resource development, but if you look at the cabinet of Newfoundland, and probably in any provincial government, and, I, and I'm sure in the federal government, there's a hierarchy of ministers. Now, they'll never admit that, um, but you can see, I mean, who's the top dog in the, you know, in the ministerial portfolios is the Minister of Resource Development. So, Minister of Environment has a pretty low level of uh you know, clout when it comes to that. So every time... I think in the province, in fact, it's an add-on to municipal affairs as municipal affairs. Yes, and that That's was... Right. And they moved parks and natural areas out of that and they moved it into fisheries and land resources and a shuffle that took place just after we... this term. I think. Yeah, no, that's right. And so, but that's part of the issue. So when we put something forward, just like Victoria said, but it has to get vetted by then the mining branch and the forestry branch. And, and they just stall it. They just stonewall it. And our, you know, and you have to have some consensus to go forward. And our environmental people that we work with, they just, they just get stalled, you know, stonewalled and they can't push it through. Right. And that's the problem. You know, there's no, there's been no compromise. So where do you think, uh, we go? What is the, um, the future in 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 dealing with uh, conservation issues. You mentioned, Bill, that the public uh, cons is concerned about these kinds of things. You know, we in the province are very committed to our 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 natural environment, or are we? I mean, when push comes to shove, do you think the people would give um, priority to conservation, or do you think that there's such a um, uh, a craving for economic development in Newfoundland Labrador right now, jobs, people being able to stay at home, that inevitably uh, conservation gets short shrift when it's up against uh, natural resource development. Well, I think we have to make it an election issue. And I think, you know, it comes down to you know, public attitude. And uh, I, I think the, you know, first step here is to publish the NAS. It is already a compromised system, um, but you know we are we've committed to this 25 years ago, um, and it really is a first step. I don't know about you know the cha I think that the attitudes are changing in the province. When I looked at a thesis that uh, I read, you know that had been published published in the early 2000s, it said that a phone survey had said that you know 89 percent of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians were in support of. Uh, protected area systems plan. So I think that people do 
I think people do care. There's a higher, you know, in Newfoundland and Labrador, there's a high percentage of people who hike, who hunt, um, a huge percentage. And, you know, and that, that would all ring through. And so there is a lot of support. I, I, my, my perspective is we need really a, a paradigm shift. You know, we don't need another minister who's going to make promises. We need the kind of politician that we need. I, I've seen a bit of it in, in British Columbia. Um, the kind of politician that they, they stick to their mandate. They don't, their objective is not necessarily to be popular mm-hmm. or not necessarily to just spin things to be popular but to work on their mandate i mean in bc there's an ndp government that's against the pipeline and they know it's tough and they know they might not get reelected, but they don't spend a lot of time spinning about it they they argue their point and we've we've never had that um it's it's you know and, and most probably most jurisdictions have never had that and I don't think it's just an NDP prerogative or Green Party or Liberal. Or, it just takes a certain kind of commitment and people that are willing to have the courage um, as a politician to to take a position and, and stay with it, you know, and just be honest. And, well, okay, if I lose, I lose. But this is what I, I think. And we need... We need an environment minister, clearly, who has that kind of perspective. And I think the WIRA is very strong legislation. I think it's been um, examined as one of the stronger types of this legislation. And it's just not being utilized. And part of my goal when with resigning, and not just resigning, but resigning and reaching out to media and letting them know, is to let uh, Newfoundlanders and Labradorians know about the WIRA Act, let them know about the WIRA and get them to push for it. Because I think having it sort of behind closed doors and not having public literacy about this tool, uh, increasing that literacy, I think I've seen a lot of people say to me, I have had, I had no idea that this legislation was in place. I had no idea that so much of our province is not being protected. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's a really important point because I think our resignations for however you pitch them, you know, they're not negative. They're to help with with resolving the process, which is the question that you, you just asked, Glenn. And, and you know, so it's it's sort of like when there's a crisis, which we are in, there's also opportunity. And, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to generate for sure. Former WARAC Chair Victoria Neville and former member Bill Montevecchi. We did ask Minister Jerry Byrne for an interview, but his office told us he was not available. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Miopigag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.